and welcome to the Oingo Boingo Secret Appreciation Society, where we delve deep into the world of Oingo Boingo and reveal its glistening heart. I'm your host, Robin. Before we get started, a quick reminder, if you're enjoying what we do, you can tip us at buymeacoffee.com slash O-B-S-A-S. It helps us keep the show going. And I am super excited to introduce you to our special guest. He's been an essential part of Oingo Boingo going all the way back to the days of the Mystic Knights. He's the engine that keeps the rhythm going. He's relentlessly positive and blisteringly smart, full of great stories and anecdotes. Let's meet Johnny Vatos Hernandez. You just finished up a busy Halloween season. How did that go? Uh, it was really actually exciting because the fans and the people that have really been following us for a real long time, and I try to make these as unpretentious as possible. I just want to play the music and, uh, and let it speak for itself and not stand around walking, you know, like whatever the hell <laughs> people do. I just, come on, let's have a good time. And so it's an unpretentious kind of thing. So I always appreciate how, how warm the audiences are and how they seem to be very consistent. I'm always trying to change up the shows so that, uh, you know, we at Halloween, we play mostly a lot of the hits, the more familiar things. And in the mid-year, we try to throw in some of the uh, the more deeper cuts, which... You know, we love them all. I, I was going to ask you about the deep cuts. I saw that recently you guys dug up nuclear babies, which is a sure. really deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> and love yeah. it. Yeah. I, I love playing that song. It's one of my favorite. Um, we, you know, we played that in the Mystic Nights of the Oingo Boingo. That, mm -hmm. That's how far that goes back. And... Uh, Except uh, there, there is a rule that, uh, you know, because I have to run all, everything I do, I run through Danny. Oh, and so yeah. there is a rule. We, could, we can record anything that's been recorded before, but something that hasn't been officially recorded, like nuclear babies. Every once in a while I go, come on, Danny, let me, what do you <laughs> say well, we can record nuclear babies? Go, come on, Danny, what do you think? It's like, no, no. Do you have a sense for what's different and what's unique about playing with a band like Oingo Boingo as opposed to other bands? Because it sounds like you've been part of a lot of different acts over the decades. As I'm getting older, I guess the liberty I want to take, especially at this moment, is to say, you know, for most of my life, I've been a snob, you know, I've been a jazz snob. And I, I grew up in Los Angeles, and I wanted to play with the best musicians possible. Steve Bartek and I used to play with all kinds of incredible, great musical situations. He hired me to play on the Forbidden Zone as a session player, and uh, we're old friends. And so he's told me all about Danny, and, and I asked him if he was a real thing, and I'm sure he was. And Danny came over, and he was looking. You know, he couldn't believe the life that I had. I was a studio musician. When we started to play the Mystic Nights of the Orango Boygo, I thought, oh man, I have found my home because I'm a vaudeville guy. And I thought, we had outfit changes, <laughs> monkey suits. It was a trip. And then one day, Danny came in and said, we're not going to be that anymore. We're going to be a rock and roll band. And I thought, that's where I've come from. You know, in the 70s, I was playing on rock TV shows and doing all kinds of that stuff. And I go, oh, great. Here we go. We're just going to be another rock and roll band again. So that said, the unique thing about the band is that there were all these hair metal bands and there were punk bands. This level of sophistication of, you know, we know now how Danny Elfman is. We know how his brain works. His brain has always worked that way. So he had a palette of great musicians of the hour. I was a great drummer of the hour. 
John Avila, you know, Carrie Hatch, Steve Bartek. We were all those people of that time. We would challenge each other all the time. We thought of ourselves as kind of not really rock and roll, but we liked rock and roll. Well, we weren't really punk, but we loved the energy of punk and we loved the energy of ska. We really thought that was really cool. Danny's parents were school teachers. So he has an incredible, incredible vocabulary and an incredible crazy imaginations put that together with a bunch of crazy people like us going yeah reptiles and samurais that makes a lot of sense <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes we would work on a song for four or five weeks and we'd go to record it and really wouldn't hear the lyrics till the very end oh interesting oh really wow. oh interesting even to this day after the mix you got to leave it alone you can't go back oh no let's go back and remix no yeah after it's recorded and done and sent off you can't no let's stop it we can stop it from getting to the press right now come back <laughs> turn up the trombones I've lived all those moments with Danny and the band. Back to the, the, the original question. The unique thing about playing is I was really a jazz drummer. I did shows, TV, things like this. But I understood the aggression and I understood the animalness of, of rock and roll drums. And I took that to all those sophisticated beats. And I had a big band approach of playing less and not more. Um, sometimes the horn players would go, don't play that fill there, play this because it gets in our way. So we, we had a real open relationship with everybody in the band. You know, we thought we were above most of the musicianship. And now that we think, you know, we were, you know, we're, we were already sophisticated, already playing shows and already doing studio work. So here we were out kind of slumming, you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And, and the good fortune is that we had the music of an incredible cultural phenomenon and master like Danny Elfman mm -hmm. writing songs like this. You know, the lyrics still jumble in my brain all the time because it's melody and rhythm. That's the key to life. <laughs> that, 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 I love you. Doo, doo, doo. Okay, all right. So that's, oh, fantastic. You have such a diverse skill set as a drummer. Like when you joined Mystic Knights, it was more of a jazz band, and then it turned into a rock band with punk and ska and progressive elements, and, and you handled all of it. And I noticed that like later during the middle era of Oingo Boingo, when Danny started using more with, with sequencers, right. uh, you, you had to play to a locked tempo and a click track, but yet you were still excellent at allowing that beat to still propel forward in those situations. Right. How were you able to pull that off without sounding metronomic? Yeah, that was my specialty. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just dancing around and, no, and knowing how to control the band uh, not to uh, choke the time because you're playing with a, a click mm -hmm. that's an old studio trick that's an old Jeff Beccaro who was a, a big influence in helped me along the way it's a thing that all drummers do they play with with the time and mm -hmm. when you're really good at it you can really play with the time you're on the beat but that beat has a pulse and yeah it's that pulse that makes Oingo Boingo's music so danceable oh thank you <laughs> thanks <laughs> I'm curious kind of about the, the different eras of the band, um, how you felt and what those were like to go through, like starting with the Mystic Knights and then the very early stuff, kind of what your, what was your, like everybody's mindset and expectations and then through the rest of the eras. I get bored very easily. 
my brain is always moving at a thousand miles an hour. Danny constantly had music for us. When we went in to do an album, we had 35 songs and we had to pick 10 of them, 12 of wow. them. We would rehearse three days a week from three in the afternoon till 10 at night with a dinner break. And there was always new music, always something new. I, I wasn't going to get there and go, oh, we're going to play that stupid song again. No, no, no. <laughs> so he would come to the table with, you said like 30, 35 songs. Would you all choose together like what songs felt right, what songs you all liked, or, or was it I was like... going to say, did you ever butt heads over, I want this one, I like this one? Y yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we 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 butted heads. We like we had favorite ones we liked, and some we threw away. Mm. We were all involved in in all of that. It was really a lot of fun, and that's why parts changed. And once again, like when you're writing a piece, and just like what Danny does even now, how it all sounds and works out. You know, with everybody playing. What sounds the best? You're going to find certain tunes that just suck and certain ones that just pop right out. And that happens. The really cool thing was when we were able to play them before we recorded them, because some of them didn't even make it. After we played it, we went like, oh, man, they hated that. <laughs> <laughs> Based on audience reaction, were there ever songs that you guys were surprised maybe that the audience, like Dead Man's Party, people seemed to jump onto right away. Did you guys pick up on that? Were there any surprises? Not for me, because the band was already gaining popularity. Mm -hmm. And Danny's such a great writer. It sounded great on the radio, and it didn't surprise me at all. And I and I thought, oh, okay, here we go. We got a theme song for a, a party. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have a theme song for the whole band. For the whole band, for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know. I hope you like it. Like it's yeah. it's inescapable. I do. That that was one of my cursed fingers. I would point at Danny, and I would go, "Don't forget, you write it, you put it out there. You're going to have to play it for the rest of your life." <laughs> <laughs> and that stopped him a couple of times. He was like, "Oh, there you go." So cursed finger, but useful, a useful yes. curse. Don't <laughs> give him that finger, not that one. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no the other one, the other one. <laughs> I know. I, now I stopped doing that one anymore with all the road rage. I don't do that one anymore. <laughs> um, I have a question I've been dying to ask you. In some early performances of the song Cruisin', right. I have a live performance of Cruisin' where you would come out and you would start the song right. just kind of babbling off really fast. Right. <laughs> Because it's about cruising in the sixth dimension. Is that where the Vatos character came from? Did it come from cruising? That's it. That, that's exactly where it came from. I would get up and go, Vamos a tocar una canción que toda la gente aquí va a entender because it's a song about cruising in the sixth dimension. And it, what it means is, uh, we're going to play a, a song about cruising, and it's about cruising in the sixth dimension. But I would say it like that, you know, like oh cruising like a, like a big vato, is it? What are you saying, man? <laughs> you know, I did my vato loco, because I grew up in a vario, and that's the way they all talked. 
So my mom taught me to talk like this, but everybody in my neighborhood, you know, they talk like this, Johnny, why are you playing with that band? You see, you know, that's the way they all talk oh. in my neighborhood. <laughs> I turned it into a song intro mm -hmm. and it was, it was about, you know, vamos a tocar una canción, you're all going to understand it because it's a song about cruising in the sixth dimension. And so, so what they did was people would go, man, who's that crazy Vato? And so oh. I, I go, okay. So they were giving out nicknames one day, and and Danny goes, okay, we all need nicknames. I'm like, oh boy, oh boy. And he goes, okay, we're gonna call you Stinky. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> You're not calling me Stinky. No, <laughs> I'm I'm a Vato. I'm Johnny Vatos. That's it. And then I spelled it wrong with a V instead of a B, oh, wow. just because it looked cooler with a V. That's fascinating. So, and that's how I became Johnny Vatos. And so I went home, and my mom goes, she saw the album when it came out, and she goes, "Mijo, what is this?" I go, "Oh, that's my nickname, Johnny Vato." She goes, "I never raised you to be a Vato. I never." I, I go, "Mom, mom, they were giving away nicknames. <laughs> They're all from West LA. They wanted to call me Stinky." <laughs> I went with Johnny Vato. She goes, "Okay." <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah, so, no, that, that story is absolutely true. That's exactly what happened. I was also curious, um, you mentioned uh, the transition between Mystic Knights and Boingo. How did that right. conversation go? Here's what happened. We got offered uh, like over a million dollars to go off Broadway and Nederlanders wanted us to take all the dinosaur suits and the Mystic Knights and the, and the dancing frogs and all the gamelan music and all that kind of stuff. And Danny was like, okay, I, no, I don't want to do that. That's really bad. And at the same time, a band got a hold of us from Northern California and they sent us a letter, a legal letter said, the name of our band is called the Mystic Knights. And we've been using that name longer than you have, but we'll oh. let you have the name if you give us $700 for a new PA. And so they were trying to get some money out of us. And of course, Danny goes, no, 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 you can have your name. We're, we're not even going to use it anymore. And that was the day we became Oingo Boingo. And he said, you know, we're, gonna, we're not going to have the costume changes anymore. We're just going to be a rock and roll band. And we're going to, I'm going to write a bunch of songs. And uh, when we come out next time, we're just going to be Oingo Boingo. To me, it was depressing. But Danny's so great, and he writes so well. He might have even shown up that day. And here's the song we're going to start working on. He's a workaholic, you know. He just mm -hmm. like, it's always running around in his brain. But yeah, that, that was the transition. But, you know, the... We had the fans, and uh, we Danny wrote, uh, you know, Only a Lad and all those great, great, you know, we had, of course, we had The Forbidden Zone, which was mm -hmm. from the movie already, and we had recorded that. So we went in and did uh, uh, Violent Love and uh, Ain't This a Life and little funky little studio, little funky drums, my funky pearl drums. <laughs> I regularly encounter people who are surprised that Violent Love is a cover and it always delights me. Boom, 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 boom. I want to make violent <laughs> love to you. Under the I'd be happy if the rest of the interview was just Vados just singing yeah. old tunes. That yeah. would be That's delightful. Have you heard the the intro? They used to do a little doo-wop beginnings. Danny and Miriam 
Oh, ever since the time I met you, we've had do do do. Oh, yes. I love that so much. Da, 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 I knew da, that da, somehow da, things were different. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. Mm hmm. I love that version so much. I can't control my burning passions cooped up deep inside. I want to make violent love. Yeah, I I love doing it, Madam Wong's. That was really fun. All those Madam Wong's uh, concerts. It didn't seem to go from Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo to Oingo Boingo. It was the Oingo Boingo. Right. It, it just seemed like an interesting transition and like maybe a long transition, like a six to seven month transition. And I noticed on some of those Madam Wong shows, like right, you're playing some stuff from Only a Lad, but we're also still playing some old sure. Mystic Knights songs. You don't want to hear Nuclear Babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course we did. There is a rippling effect. It, it's never a a a drop drawer kind of situation. And especially even um you know jobs and gigs are booked 3 4 6 months in advance and newspapers and outlets and advertising outlets get them at a certain time. And so things change and all of that. And so sometimes, you know, like when we went through this whole thing with Danny going, well, well, we're just going to be Boingo now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to be Boingo. Wait, how was that? Because we all talk about how, yeah, we, we have debates on how to pronounce that album. So how, how do you pronounce it? Boingo. Finally, that one wasn't even on the list. I'm always going to call it that now. Yeah. So there are three deep cut songs in those Madame Wong shows, which I call the Madame Wong's trilogy. Lap of Luxury, right. Give Me a Break, and Commando Girls. Oh. Those songs really only exist in recordings from the Madame Wong's era. Why didn't those songs work out? This is just my opinion. At the time, we were looking for songs that were going to be songs, and the band and Danny were, were finding its way. When, when Danny would bring in songs, sometimes they'd be so long and convoluted. There would be so many different things. You know, I'd always make the comment, well, this works with this. This doesn't work with that. And this, you know, why is this there? And why is this going on another hour and a half? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, I was I was stunting his growth. I go, let's try to keep this under five minutes. <laughs> like, you can't change under 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Any change? How about six? Okay. Right. <laughs> it was just once again a, a, a growth process of writing, you know, and and Danny finding his writing style. When you think like him, you you have to think of who's going to be singing background vocals and mm -hmm. how that's all going to work, you know, the horns and and whether it makes sense, you know. Sometimes tunes don't make sense. Most of the Boingo material really still holds up. Most of it really does. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the Mystic Knight stuff just doesn't. It's kind of like watching the Carol Burnett show. <laughs> you know, it's like old 70s TV music. Mm -hmm. You know, when you think about it like that, like, uh, and they're beautiful. And I really love performing them. And I love Miriam singing. And I loved all, I loved cruising. I loved playing them. And I'd still play them now. But I think, you know, pe people are looking at me pretty strange these days already. 
<laughs> hey, you want to hear this song, Cruising? Hey, okay, old man. Why don't you just take a number right there and say Oh, we'll listen to it all day long. All day. Oh, yeah. And, and, and okay, and here's another secret dream for all you Oingo Boingo podcasters out there. All we need is a thousand diehard fans and a 24 song list, and we can put on a concert and play all those deep cuts, all those songs, any ones you want. I'm taking notes. Yeah. I lived them all, and this band, believe it or not, loves playing them. Brendan is a is so he's fantastic he's he is outstanding so good he, he's a fan and he's got the chomps and he's still into it thank goodness uh-huh. and the band is so good we know all these songs that we really love playing and so I, I i always think that you know that would be an incredible thing is some of the deep cuts are would leave a lot of drunk oingo boingo fans kind of like the hell is this stuff? <laughs> right. Let's, let's play something we know or something, boy. What are you doing here? Yeah. If you did a show that was just for the real, like the, the old school big time yeah. fans. A show with sure. Commando a show with Commando Girls yeah. and give me a break. And yeah. What would be your first choice for deep cuts? Like, are there ones that you're like, oh man, I'd love to bring those out? There there are so many, you know. You know, it's even hard to play them, you know, um, you know, home again. Um Lost like this is mm-hmm. just beautiful. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. A, yeah. Oh, God, another yeah. beautiful song that's hard to pull off is is this. Dun, 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 dun. Yes. There are certain things that are that are more difficult, and sometimes like to be able to stomp and make an acoustic change, like like a, like you know how people go. All right. Well, now we're gonna put my pants on and. Uh, we're going to play a song for you. And, you know, that that takes – I cringe at every second because I'm I'm sitting on the drum throne going, tick, 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 you know. <laughs> I have my my producer brain going. <laughs> so every, every second seems like forever to make those changes to, to play, like uh, change, play mm. an acoustic version of change, mm. all these beautiful acoustic songs. Dun, 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 that one is this. Um no advancing glory be you know there's all there are so many and so many that that we won't we won't even touch because they're just people we've gotten such really bad reactions you know not bad know. but not Here's one, for instance, we played Mama. I loved it, and Steve has been dying to do that song, and I really I enjoyed playing it made a you know we have had a sequence made and all this kind of stuff and mm-hmm. didn't get a very good reaction. So we kind of like, okay. Well. Yeah. Mama has a really interesting beat. Right. If I try to tap along with it, I, I notice with mama that I, that I can't. Yeah. It's a beat that, that goes not just one bar, but it's a two bar beat. So instead of going boom, pop, boom, pop, boom, pop, boom, it goes boom, pop, pop, boom, pop, boom, mm-hmm. pop. So it's just two bar. It's a two beat beat. It's it's a halftime, and it's it's actually two bars. One, two, three, four. One, two. Again, just this for the next half hour would make it. I'm I'm fine. Vatos ASMR podcast. 
Yeah, so that, that, that's a great song. And and Steve been wanting to play it for a real long time. So mm-hmm. there's 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 songs like that, like Home Again. Mm-hmm. Home Again, my home again. I love home You know, which is really beautiful, but people just kind of like sit there like a train wreck sometimes. We saw you at the uh, coach house um, just a couple weeks ago, and we were going, yeah, we were going nuts when you pulled out things like Water and Long Breakdown oh. and Good oh. for Your Soul and, and stuff yeah. like that. But, you know, that was just... a wonderful set. God, yes, it was. And I do answer requests on Facebook. <laughs> John, play this, man. I do. I always consider it. There's a couple of the tribe members I'm kind of close to over the years. And so I'll send them the set list. I go, well, what do you think? This is, gonna, is this going to be a good one? <laughs> is something missing? Is there any song you um, refuse to play? Like if someone says, I want this, you're like, no, I I'm not doing that. Oh, no, no. I, I only restrict music for, for, for goodness, you know. Okay. And um, like we don't play little girls because it's being litigated right now. And there are just certain things, we, you know, little guns, you know, too many school shootings, you know. Any, sure. It's heartbreaking I, I, when I, every time that happens in our country. And um, no, other than that, I, I um, yeah, everything's good. I, I, I love it. I love playing all this stuff. If I could get away with, with playing some of the Mystic Night stuff, if there was enough people knew about it, wouldn't go like, what the f- what is, what's that? What is that? You know, I'd even bring back a, you know, I'd get a girl singer to play Miriam's part. Oh, that, oh yeah. Oh, you gosh, know, yeah. and it would be, it would be beautiful. We'd even do the original Violent Love. <laughs> a deep cut I would love for you guys to play is uh, I Must Be Dreaming. Oh my gosh. Again, just this for <laughs> half hour. Yeah. Well, the music was based around Duke Ellington and all that stuff. And so it's old 30s cabaret, 50s kind of stuff. One of my additions was I had to play Avalon like this fast. Like, da, 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 And then they go, oh, and by the way, we're going to be wearing monkey suits when you do. <laughs> we started We started the show playing Avalon from, you know, do, 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 and it's from the 30s. It's, that's why you like it. It's that Duke Ellington kind of beautiful. It's beautiful. That's what really got me because I'm a jazz player. And so what, the Mystic Nights was all of that part of that history. You know, Duke Ellington, we used to do black and tan. <laughs> you know, just beautiful. It was, he did the little frog dance and. You know, we played gamelan music. It, it was just, it was just, it was a beautiful thing. Damn, sounded really good by him. That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't playing country music then. It was, it was real good. <laughs> Cry of the Vados is a fun track off of Good for Your Soul. Can you tell us more about how that recording went and why it's called Cry of the Vados? It was recorded on Easter Sunday, wasn't it? That was an Easter Sunday gone good. We were recording an album. So Danny goes, we're going to be in the studio on Sunday. We'll get there around 10 o'clock. And I'm like, Danny, Danny, it's like, you know, Sunday is Easter Sunday. And he goes, so Easter Sunday. So what? 
we're like, okay, all right. So sure enough, we don't care. Well, hey, you know, I really, I would rather be playing. Believe me, I'd rather be playing <laughs> than sitting in church. <laughs> <laughs> so there we are, Easter Sunday. So everyone's kind of walking in, and we're kind of bummed out. And uh, the drums are all set up. And we had just gotten this brand new Emu synthesizer. And it was the first one that was polyphonic. You could play two notes at once. And you could sample it. So you could sample any sound and turn it into music. So Danny leans into the talk bag and goes, John, I want you to scream real loud. You know, I go, okay. So I went, <laughs> and then and, and he went back. You got that? Okay, I got that. He sampled, oh, wow. And he played it back to me. He goes, oh, wow. And, and I go, what was that for? He goes, well, that wasn't much of a scream. I go, oh, great. You're going to make fun of me? Okay. He goes, okay, now play a beat. So I started playing a beat, and I, I didn't know what to play. So I played this. It's basically a, a merengue. But I played it like a rock and roll merengue. Like, and a little slower. And Danny started going, and I'm like, and he's and he's like, going, oh wow, hey, oh wow. <laughs> and I'm playing, and I just start laughing because it's like, what the f is this? <laughs> You know, here we are in the studio, and I'm sitting there just boom, ba -da -ba boom, ba -da -ba. and the more I play, the more Danny goes, and I'm just, I start, I'm laughing, listening to me. He's jamming with me screaming and me playing my drums. <laughs> I'm just rolling on the floor. I'm laughing so hard, I'm almost dropping my sticks, and. When you, if you listen real hard, you can hear me laughing <laughs> and, and kind of flubbing on things. And, and so we did that. We did that for about 20 minutes. You go, okay, we're done. And that was the end of our session. Everybody went home. We went, drove all the way over there. The guys drove all the way over there. And that was it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, and that's what happened. And uh, he wrote wrote out horn parts, and uh, we went in a couple of days later. Just brilliant. That's one that's hard to do. I'm trying to yeah. replicate that. <laughs> I'm working with the guy who does uh, our sequence tracks, and we're trying to. I'm trying to replicate that. <laughs> you know, trying. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> in the song change during the cocktail party sequence that female voice we hear who says richard nixon i heard that's your daughter yes that's my daughter rio she uh my daughter rio has her has her masters and uh, she's in the film industry she reads scripts for um a living uh, she's, she's a beautiful, interesting girl. And, and I don't know how Danny liked, heard her cackle one day, probably backstage and said, you know, invited her. Because I found out about it a few days later. 
she goes, oh, Dad, Danny called me and, um, you know, had me come down to a party and, you know, and we had to sit around the studio and pretend we were doing a party. So, of course, of course I was ready. <laughs> well, well, who else did you know? What other famous people did you know? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you yes? I went to South America with Richard Nixon. <laughs> yes? She's an actress, too, and she's really incredible on stage. And it, uh, it, it really <laughs> wasn't that funny. <laughs> yeah, she's just an amazing, amazing human being. So, yeah, that's my daughter, Rhea. Thank you. Oh, that's <laughs> you sound really proud. I am. Speaking of being a father, uh, your son, Freddie, is on stage with you playing bass for the Oingo Boingo former members shows. Yes. Oingo Boingo was such a huge part of your life, and to be doing that on stage with your son has to be special. It's an amazing uh, moment that I have to calm myself down all the time because it's just an exciting, beautiful privilege. Since he was in the womb, he's been bouncing around. Listen, when my wife was pregnant with him, she'd have to walk away from the concerts because he'd be like this, <laughs> dancing inside her belly. <laughs> he li she literally had to walk away from the stage. And so and when he got older, we bought him his first record player and we gave him Oingo Boingo records. <laughs> so he would drag the albums around with him. And so then one day he started playing instruments and he started with violin. Then he went to upright bass. Then I sat with him and he, he bought an electric bass and he started doing that. And then one day I said, hey, you know, I need a bass player because John's going to be out of town can you play that music? And he looked at me like, are you kidding me? Just count the song off. <laughs> <laughs> he knew all the songs because he played bass. He he studied uh, legit classical bass with a couple of guys from the LA Philharmonic. He's a, mm -hmm. uh, he's a, John Avila calls him a real bass player. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well that's high praise. <laughs> yeah, it is quite a praise. John loves him. That's a family thing. And, and so he, um, you know, Freddie's an amazing, amazing player, and, and he plays completely different mm -hmm. than John. Mm -hmm. It's just a beautiful thing. It's, it's. Um, I know my mother in heaven, she's watching down, and she loves every moment of it, and my, you know, my wife loves seeing it. I love, I love it, you know. Gosh. I love it. I love it. How would you characterize their different play styles? Life is as simple as it's the way you put your pants on. What it is, is that John's a singer and my son's not a singer. My son's an instrumentalist and has a instrumentalist approach to playing his instrument. And John has a singer's approach to playing his instrument. It's that subtle, you know, and mm -hmm. it's, it's like, um, Neil Peart's drumming versus another rock and roll drummers. You know, it's it's like you can see their classical thought. You can see where they're coming from, and you know, yeah. So it's it's absolutely beautiful. And what's what's amazing is that John is really comfortable playing at the same time as Freddie. That's how separate we all think of it all. Fascinating. But it makes Steve very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Does it? <laughs> Too much bass. <laughs> it works. It really works. It's so beautiful for me because I'm really hypersensitive, but it works. It's in a musical sense. It's just gorgeous. So we're exploring that more. It's just everybody in the band seems really interesting. And I wonder if you can give us like a character sketch or an anecdote or something that kind of illustrates who Steve is. Oh, Steve's like the unassuming barber. 
you know, like, yeah, what, how do you want it today? Well, you know, I just want to come out here. All right, thanks for that. So I, I would call them that. That's why when we did the, the video, yeah. the forbidden video, little girls, he's the barber. Oh, of course. Oh, so it's an in joke. Because he just comes in, you know, he's like, what, what cut do you want? And he gives it to you. And you walk out looking great. And it's just like, Steve, we want this. Okay. And then you go, Steve, I didn't know you could do that. Oh, yeah, I do that. Steve, why didn't you tell us? You know, we would be writing songs like this that you could do. Oh, okay. Okay, well, go ahead and write them. <laughs> you know, he's just he like one of those guys. Steve's got big, powerful, musical hands. And he's got an incredible musical ear. And he can pick up a guitar. Don't ask me how. Picks up a guitar and plays it for 45 minutes at a rehearsal with me. Then all of a sudden I go, wait, Steve, Steve, I think your guitar's out of tune. He goes, oh, I forgot to check. And he goes, Bleh. and it's like, oh my God, it's just awful. His hands are so strong, he bends it in tune. It's the beautiful thing. I've seen him do it many, many times. Pick up a guitar, and I'm like, wow, we're jamming away. It's like amazing. And then he goes, oh, wait, he goes, wait, I better check my tuning. Like, 20 minutes into it, ding dong. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's really bad. He has those kind of hands, you know, that we all pay the price for at a, at a later age. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of other band members, uh, and you were talking about how Avila and your son have different styles. So earlier in Oingo Boingo's timeline, there was the change in the rhythm section as Hatch left and Avila joined. That shift in bassists, because Hatch and Avila have two completely different playing styles totally different did that change your playing style yes and yes and yes and yes <laughs> yeah john and, and i were old neighborhood guys back up to the band we played with on the side food for feet this is how i got into food for feet john and mike came over to my house and they just started playing they just sat in my front room i had a set of drums and they just started playing they just played free they didn't play a beat didn't play a song didn't play anything and i just started doing the same thing because i can go to that place too so here we are playing esoteric free jazz two hours of this and finally i stop and i just start laughing i'm laughing i'm like ah! Stop it! Stop it! I can't take it anymore! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! So they stopped. And that was our first rehearsal. And they said, <laughs> they said, you got the job. <laughs> so, food for feet always had that element in it. It was about ready to explode at any time. So John and I and Mike had such a great time. When Carrie left, we needed a bass player. So I said, I told Danny and Steve, I got the guy. I got the guy that can't incredible. He's not right right now, but we get him in, he'll work. He'll, he's amazing. And, and they both look at me like, you're a drummer. What are you? You're a drummer. You know, <laughs> you know we're, we're the musicians. You know, we're, you know, what are you? I said, no, no, this is the guy. This is the guy. He's the guy. He's got the energy, he's amazing, and he sings like a bird, man. You're going to love him. I said, okay, what do you want to do? Because we better start auditioning people. I said, you want to audition people? 
He goes, yes, we're going to audition people and we'll find somebody. For an entire month, five days a week, we auditioned everybody in Los Angeles, everybody that I ever worked with in a session, people that I knew personally for years were like begging me for this band. You know, I'm like, oh my God. Before we started this thing, I said, now look, Danny, look, Steve. At the end of this, if if we're standing here and John Avila's in the band, I'm going to fucking kick your ass. <laughs> That's it, man. I'm going to beat your fucking faces in. So sure enough, an entire month of bass players, it boiled down to John and this other guy, and John got the gig. <laughs> And it was like, you guys, you just, you just ruined my reputation with everybody. The people were still like months after. Oh, you really messed me up, man. I thought you were going to cover for me, man. You know, you really. You know, I was, I my my name was Poop, you know. Uh, like I said, I'm a put your pants on kind of guy. It didn't mean jack to me till we did the music. And when we, we worked on the music, it was good. It was good. It hadn't settled yet. We went into the studio. For some reason, the first day working with John was a little, something's not right. Something's not right. So I pulled John aside and I said, John, just make me sound good. And he goes, oh, okay. And he jumped in. It was like we jumped into bed together. And and it just went, and the whole band, the whole band took off. I looked at Steve and Danny. Go, what I tell you, it's gonna, it's gonna go to another place, man. It's here comes. And so, from Carrie Hatch to John, we took the stiffness and the jagged and the '80s kind of lock, and and we brought in John Avila, who who took that. And, and played not only rhythmic, but sang everything and sang the notes and made the rhythm sing and dance in ways that I couldn't do with Carrie. So it, it took the all the music to a really much better place. And, and Danny loved, loved John singing. Danny used to call him Sparky. <laughs> What is up with Danny and nicknames? Sparky, stinky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He comes. John always had a, a good spark. John's always real positive, non-confrontational. Always ready to jump in and play at a thousand miles an hour, whether we're ready or not. <laughs> I've lived all those moments with him, and he's an incredible player who's always ready to experiment. He and I, we won't fall off a cliff. I know no matter what happens, you know, it can all blow up. John's um, an always there, always full of energy, always great, always very positive kind of guy. And it makes my job so much easier because my parts are so much more restrictive and uh, mechanical. One thing that I have been curious about, just because like the album liner notes, usually the songwriter credit is usually mostly Danny. Right. When he comes up and says, okay, I wrote a song, here's your drum part, or is it, I wrote a song, here's the beat, do something fun, do something kind of like this. Like, what was the, the songwriting process like over the course of Blango Blango and maybe even Mystic Nights? Especially during the Mystic Nights, I was pretty much left on my own. When we started writing songs, though, Danny sometimes, um, he would sing out a rhythm to me or mumble something at me or maybe scratch out a couple of little kicks to get uh, that I should kind of look out for. But 
it was fairly open. Things like Mama or something with a lot of space or, or those are all his ideas, all those kind of things. Cry the Vatos was just a jam. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I could have gone, hey, Danny, you know, can I get some, uh, I need royalties on that, you know, and, uh, you know, I got to. But Danny's been generous over the years with sharing some of the Oingo Boingo royalties with the guys in the band. So, you know, I have no complaints. You mentioned Danny a whole lot when you talk about Boingo. To me, I've always considered the entire band as such an equaled unit. Why? Every member's contribution through every formation of the band, from the 70s to the recent former members shows, has always been so, so valuable. Everyone has equal footing. Right. Did you all feel that at some point? Did you all feel like every one of you is as valued as each other? Because to me, Boingo has always been a team. And I just wanted to know if, if that was something you always felt from, from day one. Danny didn't stand up there by himself. And we had the, the good privilege of being at the right place at the right time, getting a chance to play this catalog of music. Because they, basically, it's just a bunch of music that we got a chance to record and, and enjoy. The band is, is such a great bunch of musicians and we're all friends and we found somebody who could sing it We when we found an audience. So it just sort of kind of fell in like that. I don't ever want to restrict Danny's ideas in any way. He has a new band and it stimulates him in another way. And he writes some very interesting music that maybe I might not want to be playing, you know. Mm -hmm. The particular bunch of music that I'm playing now with the former members are music that, you know, I don't have to deal with any kind of restrictions at this point or, mm -hmm. you know, or uh, or people restricting me in any way. It's just, it's just yours. I enjoy doing it, but I, I don't want to beat Danny over the head with it and go, Hey, well, you know, we should be, you should come down and join us, boy. We play country music just like you sing, you know. And yeah. uh, what you're doing now is absolutely incredible. It, it's an industrial strength experience that that's why I'd really like to do a high school tour. I, I think high school kids would freak out. They'd be like, the hell is this? It's actually fascinating that you say that because one of the things I've noticed about um, sort of the demographics of Boingo fans is that largely they're all either people our age or older. We're in our mid 40s. Um, so we're kind of on the young end for like original Boingo fans or they're like ages 15 to 22. Mm -hmm. And there's like right. very little in between. Yeah. But like yeah. the Gen Zers who have discovered Boingo, I don't know if you've noticed at your shows, they are into it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why I'd like to play their school. Yeah. Yeah. So they could go, hey, kids, check these old guys out. <laughs> you know, well, what's so intense? Well, get ready. You ain't hear nothing yet. <laughs> if the band's really good, I love playing anywhere. I play weddings. I play, I'll play anywhere. I do recording sessions because, you know, music is music and I, I really enjoy it. What kind of influence do you see that Boingo has had out in the universe now that you're able to take sort of this long view of everything? I try not to follow how I affect the rest of the world, uh, which is my wife kicking me in the rear end going, you should think about that. You know? People really admire what you're doing. And I'm like, I can't because I'm so overly sensitive to what I'm doing. You know, it's it's hard to keep grounded in moving forward doing your job rather than thinking that you're influencing a million people. When basically, like I said, I get up in the morning in a good mood, put my pants on and do my job. And uh, the day-to-day -day influence I give to people is like talking to you and and when I get a chance to talk to people at schools or other drummers come up and they'll say, you know, I remember you. I saw a guy the other day 
DW celebrating their 50 year anniversary. I've been with the company all those years. And a guy came up to me and said, I saw you play with Helen Reddy. I saw you play with Food for Feet. I saw you play with the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. And I've seen you play with Oingo Boingo. Can I have your autograph? I'm like, oh my God, this guy. And I'm, and I'm friends with your guitar player. <laughs> I had never met him till the other night. Thank you, though, for asking. It's, I'm flattered that you think I would influence. I influenced my son and my children and my wife. Didn't one of the crew used to make fun of Danny and call him like a reluctant rock star? Oh, oh right. Our lighting guy and merchant guy called Danny a reluctant rock star. And, and I go, Charlie, why do you call him that? Charlie Unkless. He goes, we never tour. He didn't want to be, you know, so what he, we would do is we would work real hard for about a year and a half, record an album, incredible record. Here's the law of the jungle. Here's the way it works. Come out with the record, play the major club. People go, oh, my God, they were in town. Absolutely amazing. You should have seen it. We got the T-shirts. When are they going to be back in town? In three months. Unbelievable. Next thing you know, it's hard to get tickets. And by the third time, you sell out. And you have a market for the rest of your life. So we only got the first six weeks <laughs> for every album. We would only go on tour for six weeks. And that was it. Danny would go, I'm not touring anywhere. Forget that. Oh, John and John want to go on the road. They're, look at them. They're crazy. They're crazy people. Yeah, Danny, come on, let's go. Oh, yeah, John and John. That's all. And he would try to convince Steve that it was a bad idea. Oh, no. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> John and I would be like, come on, Danny. No, no, no. That's why it's so easy to play these songs to this day, because we never wore them out. I never played them for three years on the road. I never played them for a year or two on the road. I never played them for six months on the road. How about six weeks? <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's not enough time. Okay, go home. <laughs> the beautiful, positive thing I can leave you with with Danny though uh, of the cultural deepness and love I have for all of music and all of percussion and all jazz and Duke Ellington from everywhere else his concerto music on percussion his violin concerto are awesomely inspirational the percussion piece that I saw that he wrote solo percussionist three additional percussionists 40-piece string section, piano, harp. And he was irreverent as Danny could ever be. And when classical music, when you're talking about irreverence in percussion, you're talking about, uh, you know, mallets. <laughs> you know, mallet, <laughs> mallet abuse and different scratching and affecting. And it was just brilliant. What more can I say? So he's letting his brain go into all of that and you know as long as he keeps going you know we all benefit from his creativity mm -hmm. one because i'm a bastard and i get bored easy and i like new stuff <laughs> and danny goes once you write your own stuff john be because i can't write as good as you what what a stupid question is that <laughs> Back in 1982, Oingo Boingo performed as session musicians for the Japanese artist Mayo Shono, and the Boingo style is very prominent on that album. How did that whole collaboration come about? The record company came to us and said that there was uh, uh, she was a big fan of the band, 
uh, Mayo Shono, and she was going to come into town and she wanted to record some tracks with us and wanted to record tracks with uh, Billy and the Beaters. Mm-hmm. I knew all those guys too. They're like, hey, they're in a studio funk guys. Mm-hmm. And so we they came into town and uh, we recorded with her at Chikoria Studio there in, in uh, it was it was a beautiful little place. I always count that Mayo Shono album as it's an it's kind of an unofficial mm. Boingo album. It is. Like if you take the vocals away and you just listen to the instrumentals, you would swear you were listening to a Boingo song. Obviously Mayo wrote the lyrics, but was the music kind of written by you guys for those Mayo Shono tracks or wait a minute. My eyes are just blowing up. Do you, do you see the little light bulb on top of my head? Hey, I should get a hold of Mayo Shono. I should send her the new tracks and we should go to Japan and back up the tour. That's a great idea. Do it. <laughs> hey, from this podcast, work shall come. And you're absolutely right. That's really true. I want to listen to that again. It was totally Boingo. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It was really fun. I mean, it was, I, I, I can't believe Danny did that, but it was kind of giving it away. I, I know we made some money and maybe we used the money for something. You know, I, I don't remember too if we needed $20,000 to go into record or. We used to do things to earn money to do to get stuff. Can we talk about Oingo Boingo former members a bit and what's coming up? Future Please. future gigs and I keep hearing sure. rumors about an album. Yeah, well, our next two performances are going to be in Salt Lake City on uh, Friday, December 9th and December 10th. What's unique about the, the Salt Lake City thing when we play there, we play uh, two one-hour sets and we take a twenty-minute break in between. Hmm. So that way we don't have to have an opening band hmm. and we can play a long set. For me, I win and the fan wins. So we have been recording an album for the last couple of years and some of the tunes are ready, mastered and ready to go. Um, next week, I'm going to go in and start working on the, we recorded at the Coach House. We did live recordings of the shows and we did a 360 camera shoot too. I watched some of that the yes, other day. Yes, I, I did put on, too. I, put, I put on my VR headset and I watched it. That was bizarre. It was mm-hmm. like you were standing on stage with you guys. That was, was so cool. That was insane. That is so cool. Is that crazy? Yes, it's that so was cool. nuts. Yeah. I, I want that to get around. So once again, we can uh, start playing again in May. It's just such a large band. It's hard to travel. And it's mm-hmm. not like the old days when you're like uh, 15 years old. And you're, hey, yeah, we'll eat hamburgers, you know. <laughs> oh, all right, four cars, we can do it. You know, it's it, it just it, it can't <laughs> do that way. It can't go that way anymore. So, are you definitely doing the May shows? Yes, definitely doing the May show. Uh, just because I want a heads, I I'm gonna go. I have to go. Oh, <laughs> I have to go. No, that's good. I'm. I'm and it's heartfelt. That's my heartfelt. Thank you. Well, th- thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. You know, thank you. yeah. Oh, oh my God, thank you. thank you. That was so much fun. <laughs> uh, remember that Oingo Boingo former members will be performing on December 9th and 10th at Liquid Joe's in Salt Lake City, Utah. 
And they will be putting on more great shows this coming spring, so keep an ear out for those announcements. Their website is oingoboingoformermembers.com. If you enjoyed the show, you can tip us at buymeacoffee.com slash O-B-S-A-S. And if you'd like to get in touch with the Secret Appreciation Society, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Boingo Podcast or on our website at boingopodcast.com. And you can always email us at boingopodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, goodbye, goodbye. 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 Oh, wow.